1: An unmatched dual threat. The Watch out. Burst of speed. Look at this welcome to the home of professional football,
2: Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host. Travis May. If you're joining us for the first time, College Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And we always talk some fantasy football, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And last week, we talked pandemic-proof prospects, players that have done enough to lock up some future NFL draft capital already, and some others that desperately need some sort of season still to prove their worth to NFL franchises. And this week, my special guests and I will be talking about the state of college football right now, what we want to see come out of it, what happens without a season. And then on the back half, get into some college prospects and NFL drafts again, but in a unique way. We'll be drafting our top 10 college football teams based on how well we think their current players will do in the NFL, and I'll break that down more in the back half of the episode with my second guest. But first, I am joined by a very special guest today, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall on Twitter. If you've listened to sports radio around Nashville, Tennessee, or on ESPN radio, Sirius XM, or tuned into Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast, you may already be quite familiar with his voice, but Braden, thanks for joining me and welcome to the show.
3: Yeah, sure, man. Good to be here. always love talking ball. For sure.
2: Yeah, it's it's a blast. Uh hopefully we get to see some ball here from, pretty soon. <laughs> uh, I think we were probably uh, more confident about that about, you know, even a, a couple weeks ago when schedules were still dropping and we thought we'd actually, you know, even what, five, six days ago, we were hearing about yeah. Big Ten scheduling. So, but first off, we have a lot of listeners that that fancy themselves experts on college and NFL, and I'm sure some would even aspire to get into sports media professionally. So can you, Braden, t- just talk briefly about your background and journey into college football and, and sports radio life uh, overall?
3: Wow. Um <laughs> Man, it's been it's been so long. Um, I, I it's funny. I got I was an advertising major uh, in college. I had a broadcasting and business double minor, so I was dancing around the idea of of sports media without actually knowing I was doing it. <laughs> in terms of study, I played every sport growing up. I you know had a, a small some small offers to play football, and just was going to go to college to go to college. So I ended up at a big big state school and was working at a rock and roll station because I fell in love with radio and was doing, you know, promotional guy. I was out at the gas station, like, come on by, like, you know, you know, that whole thing and <laughs> oh, you nice. know, donate money for the schools, school supplies and, you know, on stage <laughs> doing stuff like introducing bands and, and like special events and stuff. So I was like sort of learning the business through music, which has always been a huge passion. And then, you know, a lesson that I, I think everybody should learn in radio in particular, which is that the format can change instantly and everyone can lose their job. A hip hop channel that I that was in, the, un, in under the building that I worked in changed to a sports channel, like overnight, like one wow. weekend, they decided to go from hip hop to sports. And so everybody I knew clearly on the hip hop channel, wasn't going to work. They asked me like, Hey, do you want to learn? Do you want to be a producer? Do you want to do some stuff on this sports? channel?" I was like, hell yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> started producing a, a midday show, like, like a two hour lunch hour thing. And then randomly a fill in host worked at rivals.com and took my resume into rivals. And like three weeks later, I was moving to Nashville to, to work for rivals.com and wow, that got awesome. me started at Sirius. And then Athlon hired me, which is also headquartered here. It's just a, a weird Nashville's just a weird place for college athletics. Yeah. Athlon I, sports has been headquartered here. Rivals.com was headquartered here. 24 seven sports was headquartered here. Ah, uh, Blue Ribbon Yearbook has largely been headquartered here, maybe Chattanooga. If you want to mix in Chattanooga, but you know, from there, SiriusXM hired me back in like twenty eleven or so as a host instead of a producer, and you know, I've just been hosting ever since. Did the local show for a couple of years, and yeah. uh, ESPN Radio. Technically, I am still employed by them. Did yeah. that scoreboard show last year, you know, uh, across the country. So it's been a crazy journey, and I don't know what radio holds. I my advice to people is be willing to be poor and frustrated for. <laughs> About eight to ten years, and if you make it through that eight to ten years, then you might be able to keep keep a career um but uh learn how to do as much stuff as possible diversify I know it sounds like old old middle aged dad here, but like <laughs> learn your learn all the new technologies, learn social media, learn how to do video editing, learn how to do you know stand ups, learn how to be on camera behind the camera. Around the camera After the camera Before the camera Like learn all of it Microphone (laughs) Every side Everything And if you do all of that And learn how to write and edit and, And all that stuff too if you can do all of that, then you can make yourself really versatile and valuable. And and again, it's not an industry you get into because uh, you're trying to get rich. So.
2: Right. Right. Well, I appreciate you just taking some time to share that, because I know a lot of times, you know, even on, on local shows you're doing, you don't take a lot of time to really just talk about how you got here. Even just from somebody who's listened to Nashville Sports Radio, and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners, their local radio, they've heard the same voices for maybe years, but haven't really heard how in the world did this guy get here? Or even when they introduce somebody new, it's like, Hey, here's this new guy. Wow. Yeah. There, there may be like five minutes in which you get to kind of talk about that one time. And then it's on to every, every 10, 15 minute segment has to be in, engaging. So yeah. Well, that, and and that awesome. it's,
3: it's super, it's what's super weird about the business is I've never submitted a resume. Like, I don't think I've submitted a resume or had an interview for a job since like 2007. like it's it's just so weird like SiriusXM just said hey we want you to do a show and and throw you out there by yourself for the first time ever on national radio and see if you can do it and I was like okay (laughs) and I've been hosting ever since it actually was my I think it was my 30th birthday actually and then you know we went to our local station here a friend of mine wanted to work together so we went to them and said hey you guys are just you know running syndicated content in the morning we've always wanted to work together let us work together and they said okay, we'll give you guys a chance. And it ended up being three years in a cup run and an AFC (laughs) championship run. And like all this crazy cool stuff that I'd never experienced before. And, and ESPN, the biggest giant in all of sports, you know, I, I talked to my, he called me, we talked and, and like, without even a conversation, without even an interview, without a demo tape, without a reel, without anything by the, like within 10 minutes, he was like, so we, uh, we do one year contracts and blah, 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 blah. I was like, what? Oh, so <laughs> you're hiring me? And he was like, yeah. yes. And I was like, okay, all right, cool. And, um, That's I've had great. four jobs. You got to grind. Yeah. Um, take every opportunity you can, but like, it's just, you know, it's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre business. <laughs> it's a bizarre industry. Ironically also terrible at communicating. The entire business is a communicate, Communication is is our business, not our strategy. Um, there you go. In, that that probably in, sums in, it up. <laughs> sports media, they sports media people do not know how to communicate. It's insane.
2: You know, it's it's funny. Even like in prep for this show, I was I was finding myself miscommunicating. <laughs> Just about. Well, me too. Yeah. So that's perfect. That's fantastic. But before we dive into more, just kind of uh, you know future prospects and and the state of college football, I do want to jump in and into the uh, this week's FFPC stat attack. The FFPC is the best place to play fantasy football leagues season long. Uh, Since the 2016 NFL draft, there have been 22 quarterbacks drafted inside the first three rounds. 15 of those 22 quarterbacks logged at least one season above nine adjusted yards per pass attempt. And since 2017, 13 of the 16 that have logged at least one year above nine adjusted yards per pass attempt. And this past year, all five, Day one and day two, quarterbacks logged at least one of those such seasons in their college career. It's it's interesting to me to see that progression and that growth in that direction. And that's your FFPC stat attack of the week, FFPC.com, the home of season-long fantasy football. But really, we're seeing more and more analytics in football and analysis and teams bringing on – analytics and analytic type minds and really hiring full-time staff and going in that direction so I'm just curious I don't know if you've kind of dove into that with the Titan staff or anybody else here locally but how they kind of work that in because uh, adjusted metrics uh, that that are basically kind of trying to uh, trying to find efficient players especially passers to be the most important player on those rosters that's key so have you have you talked to anyone like locally about how that's changed?
3: Yes, not just football, and um, a lot of it is probably off the record. Uh, right. th- I, I would yeah. say this. I think every decision maker on a professional personnel level, so if you want to talk NFL, if you want to talk NHL, if you want to talk ba- certainly baseball, we know baseball is huge in, into this world with the, the the massive sample sizes of data. But I think as we are learning more in sports like hockey and soccer, where you can actually track a a person's body movement in real time and just collect massive amounts of data. I think work rates and things like that for those two sports are very, very big contributors to decision makers. I think every, every, like every coach may not be, you know, all in on analytics. There's (laughs) varying degrees of, 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 but every staff, has somebody handling it, right? Sometimes the coach is the super nerd. Sometimes <laughs> it's the guy down the list. That's the super nerd yeah. in soccer. Generally, and on MLS teams, the technical director who is the GM of the team is very, very, very deep into analytics. Um, and so I know Mike Jacobs at Nashville SC is really big into that stuff. Peter Lovie it for the Preds used to be very big into that stuff and not necessarily him, but his staff. Yeah. Uh, I know John Robinson and the Titans are big into that stuff. I think the further you get with resources in college football, the more you're, you're you're you you have the ability to do that I'm not sure the head coach at Akron has the budget to have a big analytic <laughs> yeah. staff but that's just a that's just a budget thing if he, if, yeah, if, he if he could he would right so I think you know with football it's a little different because it's such a game of there there's so much chance involved with football an unpredictability you you could 10 guys on the field could execute perfectly and and one the 11th guy takes one wrong step and all of a sudden the play completely falls apart and so it's 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 a little bit trickier but I I'm a huge yards per play guy. I think yeah. I've been on the yards per play. And I know there's ev- there's further steps and evolutions of the yards per play. You already used the adjusted there, right? Yeah. So I think be- being early adapter to going away from total yards per game and just moving even just to yards per play even, I think was a big step for most college football fans and, and NFL fans. NFL is a little different because the gaps are far smaller. But yeah, I-, I-, I think just how efficient are you on each play? Was a big transition for me, probably, f- probably five or six years ago, and just I- I've in how looked. People
2: talked about it with you, like just...
3: yeah, like everything that I did when I first started as a college football fan, or even you know in the media, oh five, oh six, oh seven. It's all just yards per game, yards per game, yards <laughs> per game points per game points per game it wasn't about points per trip inside the red zone or the green zone or the 40 yard line it wasn't about explosive plays it wasn't about you know how efficient you are you on first down because that's going to dictate how many times your drive will end in x number of points like it wasn't ever about that. And then I think, and I don't know if it's tied to the spread offense changing the game and proliferating it, it a little be. bit more. It might than, be a little but bit. Maybe, <laughs> probably it is because if you're going to run 85 plays a game versus 55 plays a game, there has to be a way to compare those two teams from an efficiency standpoint. And that is where yards per play came in for me. And I think probably right around the zone read with Rich Rod and Mike Leach's system of the air raid being so popular, you know, 2010 ish. So maybe even 10 years now, I I would say I made a big switch from, I don't really care about yards, (laughs) yards per game. Like I don't care if you had 480 yards, like I don't care. Like how'd you get, how many play, how'd you get there? How many plays did, did, how efficient are you on every snap? offensively and defensively. And I think that's started to permeate every aspect. There's still a few people that hold out and they're like, oh, yards per play, you nerd. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but sure. but it, you know, it's just, I don't think you can ignore it anymore.
2: Absolutely. And there's all sorts of metrics we could nerd out here about. But just curious, are you a Burrow guy or a Ntunga-Vailoa guy? Because they're both.
3: Yes. Yes, um, both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, too, it's all about health. I think the only real questions about either one of them from a prospect standpoint are, are, are maybe like how high end is your arm strength for Joe Burrow and how healthy are you for Tua? Otherwise it's, you know, longer motion, maybe with Tua. I just don't think there's many questions. And and here's the big issue, maybe not the big issue, but an important issue to remember the the windows in the NFL are a little bit bigger than they used to be. And that's, For a number of reasons, you know, all the rule changes that have gone to help receivers be open to help quarterbacks stay upright to stop defenders from finishing a play in one way or the other, whether it's in the pocket or in the secondary, everything is going to allowing the quarterback to be more successful earlier with and I don't want to say lesser skill set like in 1983, when Dan Marino comes in and throws for like 5,000 yards, he's doing it against a very different Ridiculous. type of team and, and yeah. defenses oh, than, than, than Drew Brees is doing now. So I think the skill sets, it, it feels like an insult to say, oh, t- it's easier for quarterbacks today to be successful. That's sort of what it is. It, it doesn't take away from Joe Burrow or Tungo Vailoa or – You know any any of these other guys, you still have to make great decisions and be within a you know a realm of of elite talent to be successful. But I I do think that the the bar has. Come down a, a a tiny bit on whether or not you can find success and how quickly you can find success in the NFL yeah. as a prospect.
2: And not only that, how quickly quarterbacks are finding success in college football. I think I think of like Keaton Slovis and, and Sam Howell this year, just absolutely bawling out of, out of nowhere. And, and guys like uh, you know even like Tanner Morgan, who people are going to question his arm strength out of Minnesota you know and and what he was what that scheme allowed him to do but it's those schemes that have really changed the game that have set up up these passers to, to succeed in a big way so outside of Tre- Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields do you have an eye on, on a third quarterback next spring <laughs> that uh, that you might have in, in the hat cuz i i'm not sure at this point Trey Lance can come out if he's not going to be playing this year he has one crazy season of 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions but if it's not him do you have a name in your hat
3: well, you're talking just 2021 because yeah. I'm obsessed with the sophomore class. I, I oh, think that's yeah. the 2022 draft class. I'm, you know, Sam Howell is is somebody I'm I'm completely obsessed with. Um, yeah. and Same. and a, you know, a four star player, pretty. Big recruit Jaden Daniels is in that class. Arizona State, Slovis, yeah. Slovis truly did come out of nowhere with like no offers, playing like eight man football in like Arizona or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know how big of a prospect Brock Purdy is uh, at Iowa State. You know, his size, maybe the arm strength. He takes too many chances. He's, he's not as good, sort of in the the framework of the offense, which is what he's going to be working on. Should he have played this season? But man, the guy is just a total gamer. Um, yeah. I love watching him play. He's a junior. So you you mentioned Morgan as a junior, big success uh, with two really good receivers last year. As a sophomore, so I'm 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 sure I'm missing somebody because I'm I'm not I don't have the list in front of me. But I am obsessed with the the sophomore class of right. quarterbacks. No, I, um, I agree completely. Right now.
2: Like, like that trio that you mentioned. How and Slovis and and uh, Daniels—that's that's what everyone's nerdin' out about. Because I mean, they've they've shown to be efficient, crazy on high volume. Like just some great touch passes and to be in yeah. some shootouts and big games. I mean, How almost beat Clemson last year, so it's just crazy uh, how quickly quarterbacks and are, are figuring things out uh, these days. Uh, but really, just want to down the stretch here. Want to give you an opportunity. I really appreciated your uh, episode, the shorter episode of of Cover Two that came out on Sunday, where you kind of just talked about the state of college football because where we are, it's going to change the lives of a ton of young people. We're going through a crazy change as a nation. If anything could come out of all this mess, what, what do you hope happens for college football and, and all these prospects and young players coming in?
3: Uh, man, <laughs>
2: what Heavy a question. loaded
3: yeah. <laughs> good question. Uh, we, we care about each other more. I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, I think that's one thing that I think is not even college football related. I just think that we we've we've been put against each other by people in control and, and, and we've allowed ourselves to to fight about stuff and, and we shouldn't have we should have been focused on each other and I think that's number one I think the college football stuff is you know everybody loses their minds when they see the headline about players defending revenue share it's, not, it's probably not going to happen everything else that players are asking for is that you know fighting task task force for racial justice like academia loves task force like what are you talking about Uh, Healthcare and and proper coverage of COVID, like all these things, like everybody sort of agrees with everything they're asking about. Oh, you're going to make some money from an Instagram post. Like that doesn't affect your life as a football fan. So I think a lot of these things that are going to happen that'll come out of this for the athletes are going to be really good and and largely will have zero impact on your life, like a transfer rule where everyone can transfer guaranteed for your scholarships. Like this is not going to have an impact on your life as a college football fan. Like if you're, Ohio state fan or a Tennessee fan or a Texas fan, you're still going to sit on on your couch on Saturdays and watch your team exactly the same way just because they're making a little extra money uh, because they get to talk to an agent or maybe they got drafted and came back because they didn't get drafted. Like there, there could be some rules that are all very beneficial for athletes because basically the, the curtain's been pulled back on, on, on this amateurish model in particular during this pandemic. You take all the risk. We're going to make all the money. You can't collectively bargain any of your rights. That's basically <laughs> where we are. And so I, I think most of that stuff is all positive. Like nobody really cares about most of that stuff, and most people think it's okay. Again, name, image, and likeness is part of that. I I don't think revenue's ever going to be a part of that. But you know, we we can see. I think the stuff that will have an impact negatively on college football at large is is maybe more pro- programs in the middle tiers, the Yukons of the world, like these programs that are going to have to cancel football for a year, or you know maybe not have football in a couple of years because it's just yeah. not it's just too expensive to manage at the lower level when you're not generating the same level of revenue as in Alabama or in Oklahoma. So I am concerned that you know we've expanded from like one ten to one thirty over the last twenty years in in the FBS highest ranks of college football. I'm concerned that we come back in two years or or whatever and it's it's down to one oh five or something. Like that that's what I'm concerned about is G five teams that can't afford to to stay afloat. So that that yeah. that's a concern. We could earmark money for them if we needed to. That would in theory be trickle down economics if that really actually worked. Uh but it doesn't. And and so the big programs keep all the money and advantages for themselves and make bigger waterfalls and Sort of trimming that excess, I think, is also something that most people don't care. Like, and that's the other—that's another difficult topic about this. All that excess spending at the highest levels—you know—a lot of that is benefiting the athletes. Frankly, when you get a barbershop and a you're living in a five star resort at Oregon or Texas A yeah. and M or whatever, um, like some of that money is just going back into the athletes' experience in life, and that's that is a good thing. So you want to be careful not to take that away. Waterfalls, really? Like, how tall do we need a waterfall to be? Like 112 yeah. feet, a- 95 and- feet. Fans don't care about that.
2: You know, like Yeah, uh, like
3: bonuses for six and six bowl appearances, like for athletic directors, like give me a break. Bonuses for academic come on, like this stuff is You could fund like 16 women's programs with like a bonus for going to the independence bowl when you're Mississippi state and you're six and six, like it's just, (laughs) that that doesn't need to happen. These guys make millions of dollars. It doesn't need to happen.
2: Absolutely. Well, I I hope that there are some good things that come out of this. My hope is that there aren't, you know, there isn't this backlog of, of incoming recruits and it kind of messes up their scholarship offers. There's all these things that they're talking about. And and I, I hope, I guess what would be interesting is if players could speak into their own value and they could get the name and image likeness thing figured out and they do actually figure out the one-time transfer and they do kind of really serve the players even better but as as fans it might not necessarily affect us a whole lot but how we kind of talk about nerdy fantasy football and and prospect analysis and things i think the transfer rule among other things could kind of change it because a huge part of what we do as like super fantasy football nerds is like we dive into like production profiles. And so transfers could really throw a wrench in that, but as long as there's more flexibility and more power to the players, I'm all for it. That's yeah. yeah, If JT Daniels was
3: eligible immediately at Texas tech versus Georgia, I mean, his, fantasy value is very different. So yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. But anyway, Brayden, I I, I appreciate you uh, stopping by just and talking to me about some sports, about how you got to where you were some state of college football stuff, everything, but uh, really looking forward to what's, what's next. Uh, for you. Just what we were talking about pre-show. I wish you the best as you're uh, working on something yep. big, but uh, thanks again for Stay your tuned. time. Yep. Yeah. Any Anything else you want to <laughs> kind of plug or before you, uh, no,
3: just, on? uh, yeah, d- just check out the cover two podcast there, uh, college football, all one thirty. rate review and subscribe, you know, follow me on Twitter, operating gall and keep your head on a swivel. So awesome. All
2: right. Thanks man. You have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. You too. Well, all right, that was Braden Gall at Braden Gall on Twitter from ESPN, Series XM, and Athlon Sports Cover 2 Podcast. On the other side, I'm joined by another guest giving you a two-for-one this week. We'll be drafting our top 10 college football teams based on how we believe their current players will do in the NFL and breaking down some exciting players. But first, a word from our sponsors. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up 1 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ or go to DealDash.FM slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash ROTOVIZ. Okay, so guest number two. I am joined by Shane Hallam at Shane P. Hallam of the Debbie Marketplace podcast. He does some Debbie and Dynasty analysis for Fake Pickskin and NFL Draft work for Draftsite.com. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, I appreciate it, Travis. I'm I'm definitely a big fan of the show, so I'm happy to be here and and talk some draft, talk some college football. It's always a good time.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was it. I don't know when that was. I guess it was probably about. Time flies, and when we're in this pandemic, but it was probably, I guess, two <laughs> months ago uh, that you and I were on the W Marketplace podcast together. I think that was actually even before you were co-hosting that uh, with with right. uh, Kane over there. Uh, but yeah, glad to have you on. I always enjoy talking college football for guests that aren't familiar with with Shane. Uh, he and I are some of the biggest nerds on the planet when it comes to weird fantasy football formats. And uh, some of you know that I I kind of named the podcast after this format called College to Canton, uh, fantasy football. So the show is going to be a little bit split here. It was kind of more real football focused on front end, a little bit more fantasy football on the back end. But we're going to have a little draft here, a little fantasy draft, I guess we could call it, of our top 10 college football teams that we believe Are going to have the most successful NFL draft prospects heading to the pros here in next the next few years. So that not just this coming year, but you know, looking even some of their incoming freshmen and sophomores and things like that that are probably going to still find their way to the pros. And uh, the idea for this actually stemmed from this kind of crazy nerdy league that we're in right now. It's it's 100 rounds of drafting players that are currently still in college and we don't even start keeping points until the year 2022 uh so we're drafting college players even some kid, kids that are still in high school just basically trying to say who's the best at predicting the future when it comes to NFL draft prospects so it's perfect for this this show cuz we you know we cover everything from college football recruiting to the pro football hall of fame but that journey we're trying to get ahead of it uh, with the pinnacle of Debbie League. And so I was just looking at how many, t- how many players on every single one of these teams are, we're projecting are going, going to go pro. And so I was like, OK, let's see which schools we believe are going to be the best. And so we may not get all these teams even playing this fall. But hopefully we can talk about some of their top players, top playmakers that make their schools great. And if you were here at the beginning of the first few episodes on the show, we actually did an NFL University series breaking it down by position, but now we're going to break it down by school. So kicking it off with the first pick of the college football team draft, Shane, let's just waste no time, hop right in with your first pick in the college football team draft. Who are you going to select and why?
1: I, I, th- I think there's kind of a, a big three here, but I- I'm going to take Alabama. Uh, I think it's just kind of the safest choice in this draft. I mean, a quarterback, you're getting Bryce Young, who, who's my favorite freshman quarterback coming in, uh, in that pinnacle league I drafted him in the second round. I just think this is he's a, a more athletic Tua. And so I, I think you get him, and even Mac Jones I think could – could get drafted, could be a Greg McElroy type. Uh, I mean, running back, Alabama just churns out NFL talent, Najee Harris, Trey Sanders. I like the freshman coming in, uh, Roydell Williams and Jason McClellan. And then we, we know about those receivers. You know, Devonta Smith's going to be a first-round pick. Jalen Waddles going to be a top-50 pick. Uh, I think John Mechie is a sophomore that can do some damage. And, and I, I think their defense is what really sells me, right, um, because you have Dylan Moses, who I think is going to be a high first-round pick. Patrick Sertain is going to be a high first-round pick. And then I like some of the younger guys that they have. Shane Lee, uh, someone that took over from Moses last year, played really well. Uh, I think he's going to end up doing something. They have some some good defensive line prospects. So, to me, I think Alabama is the safest. And I trust Nick Saban and that staff to develop guys that, that I don't even necessarily – think are NFL prospects yet. Guys we haven't seen play. Uh, maybe incoming freshmen that are lower stars. We see that happen a lot. So if, if there's a team I trust over the next four years to continue to be dominant and turn out NFL talents, uh, Alabama's my number one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's not even just like the, like you said, the, the fantasy picks. It's like the real both sides of the ball, defensive and offensive. Alabama's just been knocking it out of the park from a recruiting standpoint, from just actual college re- results and wins. And, and then just both sides of the ball, they've sent tons of players to the pros. Uh, Their defense has been lights out. I'm excited to see what comes of that. Pick two, I thought you were going to go with Alabama. So pick two is is tough. Uh, But I I think I'm actually going going to go with Ohio State, the Ohio State, even though I'm a Purdue fan. And and it pains me to say they, they just keep on cranking out some good talent. And really, if you look at the top of the 2021 NFL draft, They've just got, obviously, right out of the gate, you've got Justin Fields going pro, probably going to be a top five pick, even though he has one season to his name. And then you've got, I mean, guys like wide receivers that we're looking forward to, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. They just brought in a, a few other freshmen that are all incredible with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, G. Scott Jr., and then and that's just, you know, the fantasy football names. But, I mean, on, on both sides, they've got some great playmakers. Sean Wade at corner is supposed to be a first-round pick perhaps next year. Although... He did get absolutely burnt. I'll never forget how, how bad he got burnt by Rondell Moore a couple years ago. Oh, but yeah. uh, he, he is looking like a first-round corner. But they've got some some recruits that are coming up that are just incredible as well. Uh, so I have to hang my hat on uh, a Big Ten school, maybe the only Big Ten school in this draft perhaps. But, but it's just a bunch of guys that I'm really excited about there. But kind of backtracking, who are you most excited about uh, on Alabama right now just for fantasy football purposes?
1: I think for fantasy football, I'm excited about Devonta Smith, and I think he's just a rock-solid prospect, such a good route runner. I mean, the production last season of getting nearly 1,300 yards, mainly focused in the SEC, that just doesn't happen when you look back. Outside of Jamar Chase last year, Devonta Smith was the best receiver in the SEC in terms of production. You know, I, I even went back kind of looking at the Julio Jones and the the AJ Greens, and that doesn't always happen. So I think he's kind of one, one of those those really safe guys in Alabama that that's gonna uh, gonna gonna crush it. I think NFL teams are just gonna love the consistency and and him coming back if if they play. I think there's no doubt he's going to increase the stock and, and could be the second receiver off the board.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I could see him going really early. as Like you said, as early as probably the second wide receiver. I think Jamar Chase for LSU is probably the, the safest wide receiver uh, next year. Uh, just what he did last year, it was just you can't even really compare him to any wide receiver because it's just – there's almost no one who's had a season like me. I mean, Joe Burrow had the best quarterback season ever. Jamar Chase very nearly had the most incredible wide receiver season we've ever witnessed, right? I mean, it's just insane. But De- Devonte Smith outproducing two first-rounders last year in Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, uh, posting like an adjusted production index like already like if he was drafted today among like drafted NFL wide receivers, it would be in the seventy-something, like seventy-first percentile, above well above average producer. Amid nothing but five stars and four stars and crazy athletes, that's that's just impressive to me. And and what I've been diving into here lately, just looking at uh, some in-depth other stats, it's been fun to see how the NFL has just chased after speed. It's just been nuts to see like you know guys like. Tyreek Hill blowing it, blowing it up, and then the Chiefs panicking when they thought they were going to be without him, perhaps, and then getting Miko Hartman. And then you have got uh, you know John Ross a few years ago, four, two, two. People freaking out over speed. Henry Ruggs with him, with his speed. Really, objectively speaking, he's a good wide receiver, but major reach uh, in comparison to the other wide receivers in this class because it's speed. But also, I, I found that the NFL loves yak. And they love guys that generate Yak a high clip. And Devontae Smith, among all Power 5 wide receivers last year, was first in Yak generated per target. So if he does that again, the NFL is just going to be enamored. Could rise up into that Jamar Chase tier for some real NFL decision makers just based on that alone i was digging into that stat yak per target in the past 4 years and consistently every single year like at the top 20 wide receivers in the country with at least like 20 or 30 targets are all guys that got drafted early. It's just crazy. So I, I, I'll i be monitoring that status when we move forward uh, in, in terms of just predicting perhaps some draft capital by itself, whether or not it's sticky in predicting future production, I don't know. But uh, it's just what I, what I found here recently. But Ohio State, I named a bunch of guys off uh, in a row, kind of spitfire. But for you, Ohio State, who are you most excited about just really overall? I mean, is is, is easy answer like Justin Fields or is somebody else for you?
1: I, I don't like to take the easy answer, I guess. And 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 <laughs> full disclosure, I'm an Ohio State alumni, so I'm a little sad that you, you kind of cite me on them there. But <laughs> I'm I'm actually really excited about Garrett Wilson. I, I want to see what he can do this season. Uh, obviously, maybe we'll be bumped to the spring. Maybe we'll hopefully see him. But even if not, in a year he's going to be a junior, and he was such an electric athlete and player in high school. And I think last year we started to see him really develop into a big-time college player later in the season, and and started to see that this is this is a guy that's athletic enough and big enough to compete with top cornerbacks. He started to really get a feel for the game, finding holes in zones, uh, really improving his catch technique and catch radius. I thought his body control was getting really good. He was kind of on that verge of breaking out. If it, you know, if if, if the playoff was was eight games instead of two games or four games instead of two games, I think we would have seen him become kind of a superstar on the biggest stage so I I really wanted to see him this year and see if he could almost even pass Chris Olave, perhaps as the wide receiver one for Ohio State with Justin Fields there Uh, but I think even in the future I mean Ohio State just has a factory CJ Stroud's going to be coming in and Kyle McCord Uh, so they're going to have quarterbacks there and I think Garrett Wilson's going to be able to really light it up and maybe be one of the best Ohio State wide receivers that we've seen in a long time.
2: Yeah, and and they've had some crazy good ones, too, over the years. I mean, when you look at uh, the the real wide receiver you debate, I mean, they're up there uh, just in about every single way you can measure. I mean, when you look at draft capital – They've had 12 wide receivers drafted in the top 100 since the year 2000. Uh, and since 2000, they are number one in, fan- in fantasy points scored from their wide receivers in the NFL. So, yeah, they've been churning out wide receivers that produce at a high level. So, yeah, I, if I'm going to believe in any type of wide receiver, might as well just be another Ohio State guy. So, yeah, I, I like Garrett Wilson quite a bit. I'm personally super excited about Fields. I really wish we got to see another year of him developing just because he has such a short resume. I mean he really has one full season in college kind of junk time at Georgia that that's all we have to go off of but we we're still so confident that he's going to be a, a top five pick it's just somebody who um, didn't come out of nowhere because he knew it was he had that talent but kind of came out of nowhere because wow the dude only threw like two picks to five billion touchdowns last year uh, so crazy talent I'm excited to see what happens with Justin Fields at the next level I, I think his ceiling may be as high or higher uh, Than Trevor Lawrence and uh, his ceiling. Speaking of, I, I'm guessing I know what your next pick is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Alabama, yeah. Ohio State, pick one and pick two in the, the college football team draft. So who's pick three here for you?
1: Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to just take Clemson and, and plug them right in, right? I, th- I think these three are, are a step above the others when you're talking about the the greatest quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence. It, it kind of helps kick it off, but you know, <laughs> even the freshman coming in as or as we affectionately call him on the debbie marketplace dj ukulele um <laughs> is is <the laughs> and travis gets angry but i, I hate that um, but that's okay know, but i mean he i mean he's he's a, a stud so now they're just going to go from one stud quarterback to another I, I think justin ross was such a good wide receiver prospect and obviously with it with the neck injury and you know what was found there hopefully he'll be able to play again hopefully he'll just be healthy again but even without him you know you you can't downplay Travis Etienne. Probably going to be definitely going to be my top running back in this upcoming draft, and I think will probably be the first one off the board. Potentially a first round pick, just with that speed and that vision. And they're bringing in a five star running back and, and Demarcus Bowman, who's <laughs> apparently lighting up camp for yeah. them. So the Clemson just kind of reloads everything. You know, at receiver outside of Ross, I think they have a number of guys that could really step up and become NFL prospects. Joseph Nata, Frank Ladsen, even Amari Rogers. So I think we'll see some of these players emerge. And I mean defense. Is like the, the same way uh, they have uh, to me a two stud defensive linemen Xavier Thomas and Tyler Davis who are two potential first round picks and then they're you know they're bringing in freshman Miles Murphy who's uh, uh, just a five star stud so I you know I, I think this is a team that that has finally gotten to the point of reloading and as you talked about in some some of these college you. Um, podcast episodes Clemson kind of has just recently come on we we yeah. think I think we I feel like I think of them and I'm like oh this is a team that's been dominant forever but man this is new and they're not going away anytime soon uh, with with NFL talent
2: no they're not going away anytime soon I mean but when you look at their actual production in the NFL from you know the fantasy relevant positions they uh, since since 2000 they're actually barely in the top 30 like they're 28th. And fantasy points scored from like quarterback, running back, uh, wide receiver, and tight end. But in, since 2010, last 10 years or so, they've kind of come on strong up to 11th. And in the past five years, they're eighth. Uh, we've seen the draft capital start to come and just start to flow for a bunch of these guys. And we're going to see it again with Trevor Lawrence being selected probably first overall next spring. We're probably going to see Travis Etienne at running back being drafted early next spring as well. He just, I mean, puts up ridiculous numbers, averaging almost eight yards per carry in his entire career, having like more than five yards after contact per carry last year. Just absolutely absurd, showing his strength and balance uh, just to continually add yards after contact for a guy who actually is actually he's just recently trimmed down to about 200 I hope he kind of adds some NFL weight uh, by next spring because we don't really see a bunch of guys uh, succeed at, at a lower weight uh, but man they've been just killing killing it at uh, the wider receiver position uh, their defensive line has been insane and really Hats off to their recruiting because that is that that is what has changed the game for them. They were not in the the stratosphere of the the top tier programs until like the past six, seven, eight years. But when you look at the the college football era, you know, like basically, you know, it started in 2014, but you know, the recruiting classes that impacted the 2014 playoff were still like 23, 2013. 2012, Like they've been slowly climbing up the board every single year and they've just been getting better and better and really hats off to Brent Venables, uh, the guy who is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. And at the same time, since 2014, since he joined the staff, he's brought in 45 players to their team. So it's just Brent Venables. So when you look at the impact of college recruiting on wins and the, the impact of wins on recruiting and that circular momentum that they've been gaining. It's just un, unreal. So I think that's a pretty safe program to take a bet on. So top three, no surprises here. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. I'm going to go with pick four here. LSU, probably not a, a surprise to many people either. Just won the national championship. Their, their recruiting is going to keep on, on killing it. They're going to keep on bringing in the top in studs. And really, they've sent a bunch of players consistently to the NFL in fact since 2000 they've sent 20 players in just the quarterback running back wide receiver tied in 20 of them in the top 100 of the NFL draft and so they're right up there right next to Alabama and Ohio State and sending fantasy relevant players to the pros Uh, but uh, having Jamar Chase doesn't help or doesn't hurt rather uh, when uh, we're talking about projecting a future NFL success but it's not just that it's much more than just the wide receivers for them. They're bringing in uh, a tight end, actually, who might play some wide receiver. All right, Gilbert, who is the the highest rated 24-7 sports composite tight end ever since they've been rating tight ends. Uh, so that that's decent. Uh, they've got some decent quarterbacks, but they've been cranking out the defensive backs. They've got maybe the best corner in all of college football in Derek Stingley. Jabril Cox from North Dakota State, he's going to Plug in that Patrick Queen role for them this year at linebacker. Could be drafted early right away. Uh, who are you excited about most uh, at LSU?
1: I, I actually really want to see Arik Gilbert. I, I'm going to be honest with you. like Seeing the, the number one tight end ever in terms of a prospect 24-7. And, and you go down that list of the top tight ends that they've rated. I mean, these are guys yeah. with NFL futures, NFL production, like no joke. It's not like, oh, there's a couple of busts thrown in. So I mean, I think that's that's a position in college that usually don't think of really dominant players. Um, it just doesn't happen that often. You, know, you, you look at the guys in the NFL, the Travis Kelseys and the Rob Gronkowskis and Zach Ertz. I don't remember them being dominant college players. You know, A lot of teams just don't use the tight end that way. So I'm actually really excited for LSU to have a tight end that can line up in the slot that, that's so big and dominant. Uh, I think that's such a fun thing uh, You know, outside, outside of the, the easy Jamar Chase answer I think Gilbert is going to be really fun I think he's going to become a household name in a year or two
2: he's going to be an absolute monster for them and so I mean he's actually they've already kind of talked about using him as a wide receiver out at X as well as inline tight end as well as I mean he's the the perfect prototype for the modern NFL tight end so I think he's going to have no problem plugging in right away whenever he does make that transition. Even though he's a true freshman now, it's going to be three and out for him no matter what. You know, he's just an absolute unquestionable prospect. You know, one of the one of the rare guys that you think, you know, if, if they made it to where you could just go straight from high school to the NFL, he, he might actually be drafted. But uh, yeah, I'm really yeah. excited to see him and what some of their defensive backs are going to going to bring in a couple years here soon. But uh, and really, if they just make another uh, Joe Burrow come out of nowhere, that would be fun. With Miles Brennan, or even you know Max Johnson, son of son of Brad Johnson, that that could be somebody comes out of nowhere here in the next year or two. Uh, but moving on to pick five, your your third pick here, who would you go with in the college football team draft?
1: I I think there's a couple good choices. I, I'm actually going to go with USC, Southern Cal, kind of the old monster team when I was growing up and really getting into college football. And now I th- I think they've kind of built themselves back up to a point, right? They're kind of knocked down for a while, and they've really built themselves. They used to, I, I think, of USC is that old running team with Reggie Bush and Lendale White, and they've kind of become this passing team team and it starts with that quarterback with Keaton Slovis JT Daniels gets hurt Slovis comes in and you think oh he's probably not going to be very good he wasn't that this five-star prospect or anything like that man that the, the kid just he's just lightning accurate and his ball placement as a freshman I, I was floored and this passing game just blew right up and so I think we're really going to see USC develop even more Stephen Carr running back kind of disappointed but I think Keenan Christian has a shot at developing and, and then the receivers are, are really what what's Sells me on USC as Amon Ross St. Brown. I think will be a top 50 pick uh, in this upcoming draft if he declares. Pro- probably the best St. Brown of of the three that that's been in college football, and and he's. He can play kind of a big slot role. I think I think the NFL can move him outside. He can do a lot of things. And I like the next tier of guys they have. Drake London, Brew McCoy, uh, Tyler Vaughn's very, very productive. And they're, they're bringing in some of the young guys in Gary Bryant and Kyle Ford. Even Jude Wolfe, their, their freshman tight end last year. I think he's someone that could be an NFL player. And then uh, the defense uh, has some legitimate talent uh, on the defensive line. And Jay Tofelli, one of, one of my favorite linebackers that's not getting talked up too much, Paula E.A., uh, not to Ote Ote if I if I, I, I say that, that five times fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, uh, I was trying, but uh, I mean, I mean, he's just so so instinctive and, and and violent. I love the way that he his his hips are you know very fluid and changes direction so well can um, really explode through that. And um, and I think they have some defensive backs too. I, I think just USC has some depth, and I think they're getting back to that national prominence. Um, that that I think it's better when you have a West Coast team like that that's really in a top position. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do going forward.
2: Yeah, I wish we could actually see them play this fall. Obviously, that's this first team on the list that's not we're not going to be able to see their players play immediately, but we just I mean I, all the names that you named, are, I'm I'm confident cuz I think that they're all, all NFL Caliber type players and Slovis is just an absolute monster from an adjusted production metric standpoint. His freshman year, what he was able to do, touchdown percentage, adjusted yards per pass attempt, every angle you try to critique him, it's really hard to find a part of his game outside of you know lack of rushing upside or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, for future fantasy football purposes, I guess. But uh, just really excited for that offense. Uh, and uh, saves Helton's job for at least one more year but uh, moving on to pick six here I'm gonna go with Georgia going back to the SEC that gives me two SEC teams (laughs) but uh, you know it it is whatever I I live in Nashville Tennessee area so I might be, be a little bit biased but man they've been killing it in recruiting for the past what 10 20 years realistically no surprise past five years they've been like top Three just straight across the board. I believe right there tied alongside with like Ohio State, right behind Alabama in best recruiting classes across the board. And it shows. Like they've been sending some NFL players uh, on the offense and defensive side of the ball. George Pickens at wide receiver was the best freshman wide receiver in the country by far uh, from an adjusted production standpoint. Like tripled most everybody else's adjusted production numbers across the board for wide receivers. Really excited to see him and a more vertical uh, offense with uh, Todd Munkin and if you know if we do see some SEC football hopefully we do Jamie Newman uh quarterback loves to huck it deep you can do that with Pickens so I think Newman could see some draft capital you can kind of break down his game I talked to him, you know we talked about him some with Kyle on the on the podcast last week but you know he has some placement issues maybe but he was doing some weird stuff at Wake Forest so I think he's going to be maybe a day two quarterback could stick somewhere and get an opportunity JT Daniels, uh, right behind him, could also be a quarterback, the next one. And then after that, they've got another five star coming in after that a quarterback, Brock Vandegrift. So they keep on bringing in these good passers. Even Jake Brom who didn't have an NFL arm, still found his way and got some draft capital. But on, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they've got some monsters that haven't quite worked out just yet. Guys like Nolan Smith. I'm actually really high on a Kobe Dean, I think, in a limited snaps last year in coverage. He was one of the best coverbacks in the country on running backs and tight ends. There are some uh, small sample analytics to kind of back that up. I think if he's kind of an every down back this year alongside Monty Rice for them, that could be a lot of fun. So I think that they could have a couple early drafts at at, uh, linebacker and uh, Richard LeCount is going to be drafted uh, early next year at safety. So they've got a bunch of defensive guys I'm super excited about as well. Uh, So could keep on adding uh, NFL playmakers on both sides of the ball uh, and they just keep on bringing it in. I think they had what four four-star wide receivers this year. Just insane. <laughs> I'm excited for a bunch of players on on Georgia. I, too bad I'm not a Georgia fan. Actually, an Auburn fan. But uh, you know, who are you most excited about on Georgia?
1: I, I really want to see Zemir White finally come into his own. I feel like I feel like we've been waiting so long for for this this just top high school talent, and and the injuries really are so disappointing because I think he could have come in last season, and and I think it could have been it could have been even better for him. And I think he was just kind of rusty and trying to trying to come back. And Georgia always uses kind of these bevy of back I think they have a lot of talented guys even bringing in Kendall Milton uh, I mean he, he's going to get some play but I want to I want to see Zamir White dominate I just want to see that happen I think that possibility is really still out there for him to to be one of the best backs not only in the SEC but in the country uh and and maybe show himself to be a, a true NFL talent and possibly elite talent so if if you're going to bank on something at Georgia it's going to be that running game and uh, I really want to see it come to fruition again.
2: Yeah. And it's funny. I didn't even mention a running back, but they, they you know, they're always in that <laughs> running back you conversation, uh, you know, having Swift and, and Michelle and, and Chubb all come out here recently. Actually, one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken was me. like at a Vanderbilt game. It's, it was like 52 to zero, but I'm like going down getting the junk time picture right next to the running backs with them in the background. Just, uh, and, and <laughs> I'm, I got my Vandy shirt on too. So everyone's like, what is this dude doing? It's like, no, you don't understand. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't get it. But yeah, Georgia is my pick. But uh, so we got Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, USC. Su- surprising to some, but I don't think so. I think they've been they've been sending players to the NFL for a long time. Georgia pick six, pick seven to you, Shane.
1: I'm, I'm gonna go with Oklahoma. Okay, I, I think, I think about time. I
2: was like, up. when is this gonna yeah. happen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like. It has to, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, when you think about when you got Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray right now, now uh, and Jalen Hurts, now Spencer Rattler, finally a recruit uh, for this team, is going to step in and play. And I'm excited to see what he can do with that high school pedigree and a year to kind of learn the system. You know that Oklahoma's offense is going to produce NFL talent. I think a running back, Kennedy Brooks, isn't phenomenal, but probably is draftable. I think TJ Pledger as well ha- has had some success. Maybe they can find something there But uh, the receivers There's a lot of talent That I just don't think Has quite developed yet Right We lost C.D. Lamb From them But Charleston Rambo Is someone that It seems like a lot of The national draft guys Are very high on That can kind of be relied on If he improves his hands And his game a bit And then We're kind of still waiting For some of these young guys The freshmen last year To break out Jaden Hazelwood Injured again hopefully he can do something in the future Theo Weiss uh Trayon Bridges I think they have some receivers that can uh have some talent even tight end I think Austin Stogner has an NFL future um with with, you know day two day three kind of draft capital and Oklahoma has I think has some defenders coming up and and Ronnie Perkins at the defensive line defensive end Jalen Redmond is is a really nice young defensive lineman that can produce um Nick Benito at linebacker so I think I think Oklahoma is kind of, I don't say kind of in a rebuilding phase because college that happens very quickly, yeah. but uh, I think they're young kind of inexperienced. You know, we've seen just so much talent just thrown out to the NFL guys transferred in go to the NFL. Now we're going to see some of these young kind of homegrown talents and really see what they can do.
2: Yeah, I, I like it. And, and I think you really can't argue Oklahoma, that value going pick seven. That's crazy. They've been sending some uh, playmakers, fun play, playmakers for fantasy football, like with Marquise Hollywood Brown, CD Lynch, I mean, Joe Mixon still hanging around doing great things. Uh, Mark Andrews, a bunch of guys that we like, a bunch of quarterbacks we like. I mean, they've just been killing it on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, you know, some some question marks, uh, but really can't knock him at all. But Kennedy Brooks, I mean, he's in line if they do play a full slate of games this year. He could have three 1,000-yard seasons for Oklahoma. I mean, that's – that's some NFL – you know, GM's going to be like, wait, hold on. Whoa, whoa, wait, why are we not drafting this guy? You know, it's like you – know, but so Kennedy Brooks could be an interesting pick. But, yeah, Rambo, I like. I mean, dude, his, his name's Rambo. He's going to be good too. So how about that for some analytics right there? But pick eight here in the college football team draft. I'm going to go with Penn State, a team that I, I think is stacked on both sides of the ball, especially for 2021. They have probably – one of the most interesting top four or five players of any school perhaps even without this year for the big 10 journey brown controversial running back but i think he's running back four or five maybe six at worst if some player blows up this fall just he's going to kill it at the combine he's going to run a four three something or maybe four four something then you got pat firemuth at tight end who's going to a bunch of people he he wears the same number as gronk so a bunch of people says you know he's he's the next gronkowski and he kind of looks like it too so one of the best, one of the, the top three tight ends next year. I'm really excited about him. But Micah Parsons. Is the best player on the team. Linebacker uh, is a do it all, just high motor, all over the field kind of defender. So I'm really excited to see what what he does. I mean, like every kind of number you want to get into, like his missed tackle percentage, his, his coverage skills, everything, even like his pressures, he shows up in the stat, in the stat sheet some. So they're kind of stacked uh, on defense beyond him, too. They've got Jason Owa, I believe is how you say his name, but he's just an unreal athlete. Runs like a seriously at defensive. Defensive end. They they've clocked him running in the four threes, which is just insane. I, I don't know how how valid that's going to be, but in, in, even if he gets sub four five and he's a defensive end, he's going to fly at boards just because he's a he's a lanky pass rush specialist. And then Shaka Tony, I think he's going to uh, get some draft capital also on the defensive line. But they they just keep on bringing some talented players to the NFL. I'm interested to see who they break out for wide receiver because like, Jahan Dotson is that going to be the guy? I mean, he, he reminds me a little bit of Emmanuel Sanders uh, can he kind of fill in the shoes of KJ Hamler you know after Firemuth is gone this year uh, and maybe things look way different next fall for them but do you like any players that I've, I've named or others that I've, I've missed at Penn State
1: I, I was really hoping that the Big Ten would play this year uh, just just to see Journey Brown and yeah. see him develop because I was I was one of those guys on the like the Ricky Slade bandwagon right <laughs> before hey, no, last too. year and, and yeah <laughs> you know, Oh, and, and hey, maybe, maybe the old Dominion, he could still do something. But um, And then when Journey Brown started to get more carries and more carries, I was like, who is this guy? You know, And you watch him, and then <laughs> he has legitimate 4-4 speed, gets up to top speed so quickly. And, and, and Penn State's kind of becoming that mini RBU with, with Saquon Barkley and Mel Sanders. So I really wanted to see him again, and I think the NFL probably wants to see him again. But even if they don't play and he comes out and does really well at the combine, I think someone would go back to that tape and be excited. And, and they have a lot of those young running backs coming into it uh, they're just such a fun kind of hard-nosed team to watch that uh, always always plays well and always plays tough
2: yeah absolutely well pick nine this is gonna be your last pick no pressure so get this one right here the college football team draft two you got pick nine
1: yeah is this a tough one i'm between two but i'm gonna go a little just with a little top heavy team i think to me and i'm gonna take north carolina uh, which is just kind of going off the board a little bit but nice. I'm, I'm gonna trust in mac brown here because i look sam Howe. I think, is the QB1 for the 2022 class. Uh, I, I thought he was electric. I think he is him, – him and Keaton Slovis are, are going to be those top guys and And how um, has a little bit more of that juice in his arm and uh, his the zip on his ball is just great. I think he's technically sound for a freshman last season. They really coached him up well, so I'm excited for him. And then I think that receiver duo is much better than the national credit out there. Dimey Brown is um, really powerful, really strong receiver, has a good speed and really good foot speed. I mean, he doesn't waste his movement very much, and so it's really tough to cover him. And I think Daz Newsom's underrated. I think he's he's a legitimate NFL talent. And so to have kind of this quarterback to receiver – kind of connection happening that's good I also think linebacker Chaz Surratt is a first round pick maybe a second round pick he's really good on the inside so I think you have four really good talents there and then some young guys that can do some things running back Michael Carter Javante Williams showed something and and I think that one thing that I think you're going to see with North Carolina the the freshman receivers they have coming in they're not high star guys but if you go and watch them I mean they they are really good Ray Rose Josh Downs I think they're going to end up being big stars for this team. So I'm going to project a little bit. I think Mac Brown is bringing this team to compete with Clemson in a few years. And I think North Carolina uh, is, is kind of a sleeper in the future.
2: Man, you know what? You, you stole my pick. Like, seriously. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's not. There's no way he's going to take North Carolina. I'm just going to slide them in. No way it's going to happen. Not, no way. But no, I love it. And Sam Howell, man, he, he's, he's my quarterback. One up there with Slovis for 2022. Sam Howell is just a monster. Like throwing 38 touchdowns to seven picks, uh, almost beating Clemson in his first year. Just talked about that with uh, Braden Gall in the first segment, but he just looks legit. I cannot wait to see what he does in the NFL. He's got a little bit of uh, Baker Mayfield in him. He's got that. He's a little shorter. He's not the tall prototypical passer, but man, he has a, a lot of uh, good adjusted metrics going for him uh, in his first year as well. I love Diami Brown. I really hope. Uh, his drop percentage is a little higher than you want to see, but I really hope both of those guys somehow sneak into day two next year because <laughs> uh, I think they yeah. both have that kind of talent. Daz is more of like I think he would actually be better suited to be a slot at the next next level. Diami, I think, can be inside or out. I think he has that versatility. I like Diami a little bit more, but Chess Rot is – talented and and really they're bringing in a bunch of fun recruiting classes here in the near future uh, even after this year you mentioned Josh Downs, Ray Rose, I think Gavin Blackwell next year will do good things for them. Kamaro Edmonds is going to be the best running back prospect that they've had maybe ever. They're inserting themselves in the, the top tier uh, of some of the best schools in the country from a recruiting standpoint this year I think early on they're, they're a top 10 school right now uh, for the recruiting cycle uh, it's a little bit early to call, but man, they're, they're doing some great things. Can't knock what they're doing at North Carolina. I'm mad you stole my pick, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know what you're
1: gonna do now. You know.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know. I'll just I'll just stay in the SEC. But <laughs> but no, really, I, there's a bunch of schools here that we could get into. Uh, just based off of like one or two players alone and and what their impact could be. I think I'm going to go with uh, Texas A&M, actually. Going to go with Jimbo. Uh, I think he's going to feed uh, some of his guys here in the upcoming seasons. Isaiah Spiller, I think this is the year that, that he defines himself as the running back one in a very weak run- 2022 class. I think he kind of can assert himself as the o- number one overall guy there. Jimbo loves to feed his future back. And then DeMond Damas, the wide receiver, true freshman, missed his entire last year of high school eligibility due to a weird transfer rule. Uh, and so, but he was still a five-star. He still got the five-star rating missing an entire year. Like the dude is just, if anybody's going to be like the next A.J. Green and the next Julio Jones, the next Demarius Thomas, the next what Calvin Johnson, whatever the, the, the freak that you think of at wide receiver that comes out uh, and we just know he's going to hit from high school, that's, that's him. So he had... Maybe the the best freshman wide receiver in the country. Jamon Osmond could make an NFL wide re- roster. Also wide receiver, uh, Baylor Cup and Jalen Wainwright, tied in could could make NFL rosters. And I think some teams gonna give give a look to Kellen Mond just because of the upside he flashes. I mean, he looks like maybe a bad comp for for some people, but he looks like Colin Kaepernick did. Uh, in college I think uh, somebody's going to see the upside there of his intangibles and just bite there and then you've got Moose or Moose Muhammad the third wide receiver another true freshman I'm excited about him for no if, if for no other reason than he is one of the most disrespectful reps and catches <laughs> of all time like uh, he was at some wide receiver camp and he absolutely burns the guy off the line you know it stacks him has time to literally blow him a kiss and then just jumps up and mosses him. <laughs> <laughs> and Unreal. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, their their offensive skill players for a while. I think they've got a couple quarterback prospects coming in. Haynes King this year, Eli Stowers next year, that could inherit the role there and lead them and then really not have any break at the, the top-tier quarterback play for as far as SEC schools go anyway. Uh, but uh, And really, they've got a bunch of defensive backs to get excited about. Also, so they're really, I think they have, I feel like right now they have five, like four or five star, just safeties. So somebody's going to hit, somebody's going to go to the pros. Uh, so Texas A&M. So to recap in the college football team draft, we got Alabama pick number one, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, USC, Georgia, Oklahoma, Penn State, North Carolina, and Texas A&M. The top 10 schools that we believe are going to have the most successful NFL draft prospects you know some of these teams are a little bit more top heavy than others you know it helps having like a justin fields like who's probably gonna be a top five pick next year helps having a sam howell for north carolina probably gonna be a maybe be the first overall pick uh in 2022 any other schools you think we we perhaps left out shane
1: I, I, th- I think it're pretty good. Um, you, you mentioned Texas, I think they're pretty loaded. Uh, I, th- I think another one kind of top heavy maybe Louisville. Um, I, think Ooh, you talked I like about that too Atwell a few, yeah. few weeks ago, but I, th- I think JVN Hawkins, his production profiles so good and even though he's a smaller guy Michael uh, uh, Cunningham a quarterback, maybe has a possible NFL future if the NFL keeps developing. So I think that that's a school that's kind of underrated that might be on the up too.
2: Yeah, I think having Lamar Jackson kind of pad the stats and, and, and get everyone pumped for the school, uh, that's been helping them in the past couple of years. And, and you see that in the recruiting and what they're doing with their offensive play, playmakers. But Satterfield and what what they're doing there, just schematically on offense, is just a lot of fun. Mikhail Cunningham's going to have a, a really good season. Uh, But yeah, they've been uh, on the come up just for fantasy football production purposes. I think they've been in the past five years 19th uh, in fantasy points from quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends among all uh, colleges in the country. So yeah, like that is a low key school to keep an eye on as well. Arizona State maybe with Jaden Daniels coming up and uh, some running backs and maybe some wide receivers still to to get excited about. But uh, yeah, this has been a blast. Just kind of drafting some of these best schools, talking about the best players that are 2021 draft eligible. But, you know, well beyond that is also. But if if you guys want to follow along uh, with the uh draft the nerdy draft we're doing it's 100 rounds it's it's players on both sides of the ball <laughs> we're we're trying to predict the future here not no offensive linemen not getting that that deep but uh, yeah, not, yeah. Not that far. no punters no, no punters, punters no yeah. kickers <laughs> but uh, we're drafting some crazy stuff what what's the handle for that that draft if people want to follow along
1: so on Twitter, it's pinnacle of Devi. You can you can follow along, and I, I tweet out every pick and group of picks, kind of a couple times a day. So you can always check in, and, and I'll tweet the link to the the full draft board if you want to see kind of where we ended up. But uh, we've, we've we've been going strong now for almost two months, so we're we're getting there. We're in the seventies. It'll be uh, wrapping up sooner than we think.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on Shane. And yeah, thanks again to Braden Gall, uh, for joining us as well. But Shane, anything else you want to kind of pitch or plug before we sign off here?
1: Absolutely. Just check out the Debbie marketplace with, uh, me and, and Kane Fussell. Um, you can just look it up on any, any podcast, wherever you get them, you can find us. And so we definitely talk more Devi value and uh, when you can sell guys, buy guys, um, how you should kind of uh try to find guys with draft capital so definitely something people could be interested in and, and thanks travis for having me on man it was it was a blast doing this and definitely uh excited to to come on here and excited to to keep chatting with you in, in our draft
2: yeah absolutely and it, one of my favorite people to talk to about Uh, debbie fantasy football leagues and college football players future nfl prospects everything there so yeah thanks for joining me here but uh, listeners feel free to leave a rate and review for the show really helps really enjoying the love that i've been getting for the show through eight eight episodes now just been a blast had some great guests on Uh, but uh, ask some great questions to me personally via DM. And this has been a lot of fun, but yeah, just leave a question in the review and we'll get it on the show here soon. But yeah, thanks for listening. And I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the college to Canton podcast. Sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE.
3: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.